Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, analysis, all passion, all derby. Some decisions are black and white. Let's get stuck in. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast with me and Corey. Uh, before our usual supplement of, of podcast fun, we obviously have to comment on um, the departure of one Mr. Philip Koku and said coaching staff members, Twan Sheepers and Chris Van Der Veerden. Which we're Wait, gonna go that on was to. reported? The manager got sacked? When did that yeah. happen? Yeah, well, I was, I was just tucking into my birthday meal on, on uh, Saturday as the phone obviously started going a little bit crazy, Corey. Was it with um, birthday messages? Yeah, well, no, unfortunately not. It's been a fun, it's been a very busy weekend for me. Um, yeah, so of course the news broke, and uh, luckily enough, I was in a position where a couple of media outlets uh, were in contact with with ourselves as a podcast to try and get the inside scoop that I have no affiliation with. I'm just going to put that out there. I know nothing, but I was reading in between the lines on some national media. Um, on on the rate on Talksport Radio that asked me to come on, and and have a bit of a discussion about it. And Corey, where me and you were going to go into it in a little minute, but obviously for anybody now who doesn't know, then not quite sure where you've been. Um, but of course he has gone. Um, it was announced Saturday tea time ish. Um, the facts and figures that have been reported, of course, is that it's by a mutual consent which basically just means he got forced to say that he was happy to leave uh, so we don't have to pay him the full about £4 million compensation, Corey. I think he's, he's pretty much what, we, um, what, you, what you can read out of that. Um, two things for me. I mean, we, we're going to go on to the, the crazy 18 months that was under Philip Cocu in a second. But I think pulling the trigger now, I think, was right. I, I did feel that it was coming especially with the breakthrough of the takeover last week. Uh, I actually saw somebody put a comment. I don't know if it was a comment on Twitter or I read or I heard it on the on, on sports scene the other night um, that they were saying that obviously the end of the takeover was kind of done. Why wasn't Koku sacked at the beginning of the international window? Well, apparently two, obviously, of the main people at Derby, thought, um, Mel Morris, what have you, um, obviously were self-isolating. So probably one of the reasons why that conversation couldn't be done over Zoom and it was more likely, you know, a, a sacking has to be done in person. There was there was clearly a discussion to be had over it. I would presume that the new owners also were involved with that. I have heard reports that it was their decision to, to pull the trigger, not Mel's. I don't know how true that is, uh, but at the end of the day, they are coming in, taking over a club. Maybe it was just right for all parties and that's kind of how it came out. Um, and the one thing I would say about it, Corey, for me, yeah, for the amount of times that obviously on this podcast over the last eighteen months we've we've doubted his credentials, uh, sh- shall I say, in various various notions over the last eighteen months, the flavour that I got from the fan base on Saturday night was, I, I was surprised. I, I was fully expecting a lot of people to comment saying that they were glad he's gone and that kind of thing. That did come out. That obviously that came across, and I, I think that's fine there wasn't quite the anger that I was kind of expecting um, to do with his, not 
that they didn't want him to go. But you know, a lot of people have, have voiced their opinion that they don't think Koku is any good. And I actually thought there was quite a lot of um, quite a lot of messages about you know, his his decorum, you know, and, and just an all round nice chap at the wrong time, possibly at the wrong football club, you know, that kind of that kind of feeling. And I was surprised to read that actually, but. That that was my sentiments exactly. Nothing against the guy. I think he's handled as me and you have both said, he's handled everything that's been thrown at him over the last eighteen months with with an air of grace um, and professionalism. It just didn't work out for him at Derby. Um, and of course, let's face it: if this takeover hadn't have come along, we'd probably still see him in a job. Let, let's face it. In all fairness, that that is probably that is probably the cut and sh- the long and short of it all. Um, no news as to yet on, of course, who who is coming in. Uh, we're going to have a little talk about that as well in a second. About throw throw a few names into the hat. But Corey, your your opinion, your feeling on the end of Mister Koku? Yeah, I think you're dead on, Jason, and I think the sentiments on social media were pretty dead on as well. We put out a tweet about it as well. Um, nice guy, great guy. Held did everything with Derby County with dignity, held them with the utmost respect. And I've got nothing but good things to say about Philip Kaku. Unfortunately, it's a results business. And looking here, um, league, league record at Derby, 18 wins, 16 draws, 23 defeats, 67 goals scored and 80 conceded. And he leaves Derby adrift um, of the championship now, bottom of the league. I think we all knew it was coming. I think some of us were surprised that it took as long as what it did. Um, you obviously would have wanted him, you know, if you got him sacked at the beginning of the international break, ideal because you've got more time to to figure it out. But I think with the new ownership group, BZG want to come in. I don't think they want to come in and do, you know, pay 60 million pounds for a football club and say, hey, now we got to pay an extra four to get this guy off the books. How about Mel, you fire him or the deal's walking away and Mel's like, okay, I'll do that. Um, you know, yeah, it was mutual consent. I'd heard reports from um, John Percy at the Telegraph that, Philip Kaku took um, a severance package that was well below what he was entitled to because he knew the club were financially strapped. Um, I had heard um, a couple things on Twitter that um, he donated some of his own money for the stay fit, stay connected, stay healthy campaign. Um, and that's, that's tremendous, you know, but the man is a complete gentleman off the field. And I think his ideas would work in any other situation, but the situation that Derby County are in today with the players that they have and in the mess that there are, it's, it was just never going to work. And I always felt like, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, he just, he just never, you never saw the week on week growth that you would have wanted. I mean, the guy's a gentleman and I will go to bat for gentlemen all the time. He's fantastic. What a nice guy. So proud that he's part of this history now of Derby County because he's such a great person to be a part of or to have part of your football team. But at the end of the day, it's a results business and Derby at the bottom of the league. And, and for me, you know, um, we know that BZG wanted Rafa Benitez in Newcastle. We know that. Um, but for me, I think for Derby right now, it's the club's very much at a crossroads. The club's very much at a very important uh, transition point because the wrong managerial appointment will see this club into League One. And that's not, I'm not trying to sow the seeds of doom and gloom, Jason, but we've both been watching football long enough and we both know the game well enough. Well, I would hope that we do, that the wrong managerial appointment, it, it's a very, very slippery slope. And when you're fighting for, relegation fighting against relegation with the types of players that Darby have it could go it could go very pear-shaped even more pear-shaped more quickly I guess I guess that was a weird way to say that it could get even worse and Darby could see themselves in league one next year and I think right now yes you want to look after the long-term stability and could we get this person could we get this one yes number one numero uno priority 
is to get Darby out of the relegation zone and, and, and do their championship future because there's nothing that showed me this season that Darby is nothing more than relegation fodder at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, for me, just basing it, obviously with everything, we're not going to drag it all back up because we know we know what's gone off. Um, but putting it from a point, a performance on the pitch-based scenario, like you've just said there, that there is nothing to me that says that the football is any better 18 months down the road than it was after 10 games last season. And I have no, I have to say, I have no confidence. I think there is something lacking from him or from his management team. There's something lacking that makes me think, you know, nothing was ever going to get any better. I'll ask you something else. Which individual players in the last 18 months have improved today than what they were 18 months ago? You look at Max Bird, he had a peak. He's out of the team. Louis Sibley had a peak. He's not been in a team in weeks. Wayne Rooney, he's just getting on. I guess yeah. There's Mr. not too many, Mr. Rooney now because he's the manager. But you know, there's no real player here that says anything to me that they've improved in 18 months. I'm, okay, the exception is Lee Buchanan, who's now in England under 21 international, and Jason Knight. So I will eat my humble pie. But outside of those two players, you know, you want to see the players grow as well, more players than just two players that that mm. really have added value and and have kicked on. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Jason Knight one, we, we saw signs 18 months previous to Koku coming in that, you know, that he was in and around the fringes of the team. It just so happens that he was given an opportunity under Koku. And yeah, you, you'll give him his, his credit where credit's due for that. But I th- I, is Jason Knight the player that he is today because of Philip Koku? I'm not all so confident on that, but I'm not I'm not knocking him. I think he has had, a, he obviously, he has had an impact on the youngsters um, from what you hear back backstage and you know behind the scenes, should I say, you know what he was doing with the academy and that kind of thing, and like you said, the initiations that he, you know, certain certain things that he put together off the pitch, if you will, you know, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. You know, there's too many managers that come out come in now and that are just solely focused on the football club. And we, we know that they kind of have to be and matters on the pitch, should I say, I know they kind of have to be because of that's just the, the business that we're in these days, but to have a manager to come in that kind of connects the community as well. And, you know, that kind of work, I think, I think it's great. And like I said, I think the next, the next appointment is huge. It, it really is huge. Like you say, I, I still think Derby too good to go down uh, with the players that they've got on, on paper. But again, football's not famous saying of this You've podcast. You've been saying that for 10 games. Yeah, football's not played on paper. Um, and the other and, thing that's worrying Jason as well is that the EFL have not come back with their appeal yet against the points deduction. And if there was to get a points deduction at Derby County, that will see them down. Well, it, it would certainly go a long way to knocking, knocking one or two more nails into a coffin, that's for sure. Um, but I mean, looking at it, from the opposite spectrum, just for a little second before we go on to names mentioned, um, it is only 10 games in. Okay, it's a quarter of the season. I read a couple of stats in the last few days. Um, again, the, these are points in history that probably don't matter, but I'm just making a, trying to make a point here. Um, the 95-96 season we got promoted um, it, into the Premier League, we were in the bottom three in November. And then we went on a 20-game unbeaten run. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that was there. Uh, the season we got to the playoff, uh, won through the playoffs under Billy Davis, we, we were again, I think, in the bottom five come November. And then obviously we ended up winning at Wembley. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. We have got a decent squad. For me, 
everything smacked Philip uh, Philip Koku smacked of me. He was a he was a gentleman. I, people say, oh yeah, but he had a side to him, but it never came across. And I think sometimes that can be a bit of a problem. It was a, it was something that we pointed out with Frank Lampard. He tried to be everybody's friend. Um, he obviously had an opinion, but he was he was a he was a stature in the game that he was able to have that opinion. Um, but you know, did he really dig into the players when when things got tough? I'm not so sure because we we had ropey performances with Lampard's derby. Um, it just happened so that you know the quality was there to drag them through a period of time that allowed us to to do what we to do what we did that season. And at the minute, there's there's players that they need to be stood, they need to stand up and be counted. Yes, but I think one of the big phrases from a lot of fans has been motivation. Where's the motivation from from the player from the from the coaching staff? And it just doesn't come across that they really had any. Uh, one one thing about Wayne Rooney, we're going to go on. I'll touch on names now. Um, Wayne Rooney apparently is the bookies' favourite. He must, in the last nine, eleven months he's been here, or to, well, obviously it's a bit longer. He's got to have had a say. He will have had an input, just because he's a senior figure. Something's clearly not right. Why would you then take a core member of that and put it in the manager's seat? That for me just doesn't doesn't work. And I think a point that I heard over the weekend. While he's still focused on playing, which apparently he seems to be still focused on playing, he can't run. He can't be a player manager. Derby County can't have a player manager. Not at the Actually, championship level. No, it would be absolutely stupid. And not so in a got, relegation dogfight. No. So he's got a big decision to make. He's got a big decision to make. Does he want to prolong his career on the pitch by another 12 months? If so, concentrate on your football. If he is at all interested in taking the management job full-time, he needs to hang his boots up immediately and concentrate on that side of things. I still don't think he's the, he's the correct, um, correct name. But if that's what he wants to do, then fine. You know, The other ones, uh, John Terry... Okay, Paul Cook, Rafa Benitez, uh, Danny Cowley, Eddie Howe. They're all, you know, is it Steve Cooper, is it, from Swansea? Yeah, I don't think Steve Cooper's going to walk out on Swansea. No. I, I can't um, No disrespects. Eddie Howe, we've said this before, Jason, he's not coming to the East Midlands. I wouldn't have he's thought so. He's not going to come into a relegation dogfight in a team that in six months' time could be in League One. He's not coming. Dan no. Cowley, I liked him. I like him at Lincoln. I liked what he did at Huddersfield. I'd have him in a heartbeat. But I know he wants a lot of control over the football club, which is his prerogative, and I don't know how much new owners are going to give him. Um, Steve, uh, Paul Cook. Paul Cook? Yeah, Paul Cook. First of all, if you think Stephen Pierce is good at squeezing pennies, look at my idea. I told you this right after the second. They hired Paul Cook. They don't have to get a new tracksuit. It already says PC on it. You can save 50 quid there on FFP. Um, he did really good with the Wigan side. They've got two former Wigan players, and I think maybe he's the man that can organize the team well enough to get out of the relegation um, Scrap that they're in. Sam Allardyce, no thanks. He would just give people tours of Moore Farm for 20 grand under the table. Like, that's just, that would just be very weird. Steve McLaren for 3.0, no thank you. 2.0 didn't work out very well. 
Um, Rafa Benitez. I'd love to see Rafa Benitez come. He's got pedigree in the championship. Oh, he's got pedigree. I'm not saying he doesn't have pedigree. Like he's got pedigree in the championship. He's managed in the championship before. So it's not without the realm of possibility. And so we'll have to see what BZG has to, BZG comes up with um, and how desperate they want Rafa Benitez. Yukanovich, former Fulham guy. I think he's just a jerk, to be honest with you. I mean, he just has that thing. Nigel Pearson's probably not coming back, although he would probably do wonders with this group of players because he'd just rip him a new one, which would be fantastic to see. Um, Liam Rossinier, really high, really regarded coach. I'm surprised that him and Given are still there. He's a safe pair of hands. But I can't see Liam Rossinier. I mean, maybe keep him on in the short term. Let him, you know, maybe Does he fill you full role. of excitement, though, Corey? Huh? W- would Liam Rossinier being appointed fill you full of excitement? No, he wouldn't. And can I be honest with you? But you can't give, you can't give, and I'm, I'm, going to dis, I'm going to backtrack on myself here because I think John Terry could have the similar effect as Frank Lampard, but mm. I don't think the time is right for John Terry. I think John Terry should probably take over in summer if he was going mm. to take over. Because right now, if you're giving this job to a rookie manager, Derby County will be in League One. I think whoever comes in, they're under immense, they're going to be under immense pressure. I mean, under the, immense pressure. When I look back at it now, one of the pivot points for Philip Kaku's reign was Wayne Rooney's arrival because he wasn't able to get his um, tr- he wasn't able to get his transfers in. Ended up with Ben Hamer and Jamie Patterson, and Rooney came in. And I hate to say this, but I've been thinking a lot about it. It's kind of like when Mikel Arteta was at City, and you could see him looking at Pep, and he was like, "Ha ha, I'm going to get the manager's job one day. I'm so smart. I'm Mikel Arteta." And he was a bang average midfielder. Okay, Mikel Arteta is a bang average midfielder. He was a bang average assistant coach. He's a bang average Premier League coach. That's just the way I feel about it. I don't really care for Mikel Arteta very much. And I feel like Rooney, I hope he wasn't slinking behind in the background going, oh, I'm going to get the manager's job. <laughs> and I don't think he was undermining him. But I think giving the job to Wayne Rooney, I mean, yeah, it's an obvious connection to make. And yes, it was always going to happen. Like, let's not beat around the bush. That's what he was brought in. That's why one of the reasons they brought him in, because we were talking about this in January, February time. But he doesn't instill me with a lot of confidence. To be honest with you, Jason, you've said this before. He's not even barely, he's barely worth his place in the 18, in the 11, let alone, let alone the 18, you know, and he's going to go manage this group of players because if they, Wayne Rooney, if he's, you know, effing it and blinded in the dressing room as a player and he's doing it as a manager, what's the difference? And go, okay, I played alongside you last week. You were crab. You couldn't even find a white shirt. You're part of the reason why we're in this mess because you were giving the ball away left, right, and center the end of lockdown last season. That's the big thing with Wayne Rooney. It's the respect level. They're the, the teammates at this moment in time. How can you, if, if, he, if he's going to have an effect, he would have an effect on the pitch. Not, he, I don't necessarily think he needs to be in, in the manager's seat. But, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, the, the last point I want to make on that is, you know, somebody like Paul Cook, I, I think it wouldn't be the world's worst appointment at this moment in time if we weren't being taken over. If Mel Morris had sacked Philip Koku, wanted to bring in somebody else, Paul Cook would be probably one of the surefire names. I've just got a feeling with all with all the hysteria going on about a takeover happening, money, we don't know what kind of money is available, money coming in, are they really going to announce somebody who's not got who's not got the, the, the X-Factor name is, is what I want to say. Now, we know that the X-Factor name doesn't always work. But I'd be, I'd be gobsmacked if they didn't come in and bring somebody in who's got proven experience in the championship at a higher level as well, possibly, um, and who's got experience of getting teams out of this division. There's one thing keeping a team in the division in the championship, like Paul Cook has done, you know, that, that's great. There's another one about taking teams up. 
Um, and obviously you kind of itch and that kind of that kind of name gets gets thrown in. But of course, they go into the Premier League, ten games into the Premier League, they get sacked. But you saw not good enough. You saw it when we listened when we talked with Valentin Jockey on our mm. Rams Review Meets episode not too long ago. He said everything was working well under Clough. McLaren comes in and all of a sudden the next day it's at a different level. And the mm. players just knew it was at a different level. And Wayne Rooney rocks into that building. Are they gonna go, Wow, this is different level? Yeah, no, I can't see it. Can't I mean, see it myself. If Rafa Benitez comes in, yes, next level, next level. But yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think Paul Cook would be a very safe, steady pair of hands until they figure it out. Because I'm just scared that if you get this appointment wrong, Jason, we'll be we'll be doing a League One podcast next season. No, I agree. I, I just don't know. As I say, with all the fanfare of a new owner and that kind of thing, are they really going to bring somebody in and just just for six months? I, me personally, I don't think so. And that's the thing as well. If you're spending 60 million pounds on a football club and you don't know whether that football club's going to be in the championship, this was one of the problems when they tried to buy Newcastle the first time. Newcastle were in the relegation zone and Ashley wanted 350 million. And they're like, well, you could go down. And then when you go down, the club's worth like 50 million. We've lost 300. Derby County are not secure of being a championship team. So get this deal under the line and they're going to want to make sure that their, their investment is safe. So names like Benitez all of a sudden come into play because yeah. they're going to want to splash. If they can't splash it on the players, okay, it's not like they can just spend their way out because FFP, but maybe they can spend their way with a manager and maybe that, maybe that gets Derby securely in the championship and takes them to that next level, which we know we want them, which we, me and you are so desperate for them to do. You know, Absolutely. but right now it's, it, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a dark day sacking him, but it was just like the news came across and I was like, that wasn't really a surprise, I guess. That was, no, I expected the, it. The, there was an inevitability about that. It's, it's everything like, that's oh, it coming after it now. Yeah. Now it's like, everything that's coming now in the next 10 to 10 to 14 days. Something has got, by the end of the month, this takeover has got to be done. The, the, the owners have kind of got to show their hand to the fans as to what they want for this football club, and they've got to get the right, they've got to get the right number one in that manager's seat. Because if they don't, like you quite rightly say, Derby could end up really being in a difficult position this season. I think. Right, joining us now on the podcast, I'm delighted to say, is Jamie Calladine from the Rams Heritage Trust. Jamie, how are we doing? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Jason. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad considering the uh, considering the lockdown. Fingers crossed. It's only only for another couple of weeks over here, and uh, all, all should be good. And of course, you're uh, you're on to talk about the uh, is is it a statue bust? Well, I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure actually what it is. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's a bust, but you know, it, it's not what you would imagine as a bust. As something quite small, it is quite big. Uh, one and a fifth life size bust on top of a five foot plinth so you know it's going to be quite a big uh, structure right and uh, of course this is for the, the um derby county legend ray reg ray i nearly said ray reg reg harrison um for guys that obviously none of us were alive um so um for, for people who don't know uh who, who reg was uh jamie just uh, just fill us in exactly you know who, who he is and why you deemed it worthy that uh, he was to get this get this accolade yeah absolutely so Reg obviously his time as a player for for the Rams predates a lot of us um our times watching football um obviously 1946 FA Cup winner um played for for Derby County for just over 10 years you know he was a Derby boy born and bred born in Normanton and lived uh, the late years of his life in Alveston where we're um erecting the tribute so um 
so yeah, he, he was a he was a winger for the Rams. Um, uh, he was also uh, he was in the army during World War Two. He was a, a training officer back then, back when the world is was very different to today. Um, after after football, you know, he went into coaching a bit and uh, um, as a manager as well, quite uh, locally. And then he moved into the to the youth services at the council, which is is um, to be honest, what where most people uh, remember Reg personally nowadays is through um, he helped to set up youth centres and football clubs across Derby. So uh, Field Lane's uh, probably the most famous one. That's where the the uh, bust is going to be situated, but also at Stockbrook um, and uh, Chesapeake as well in Chatterton. So why did you why did you decide Jamie as the Heritage Trust to take on the Remembering Reg campaign to get this bust for him? Really, it was um, part of part of uh, our acti- activities as a trust is that we want to uh, remember uh, legends of of Derby County history, but also being a charity, you know, it's about the fans, and because we're supporter led, it's about um, looking at people that have played for Derby County, being involved with the club. Um, who has had the most impact on on the city and and you know not just about it's not just about football at the end of the day. So uh, Reg had a massive impact on the community. You know he helped keep kids safe and occupied and um, got them into grassroots football. Um, so you know that was a that was a big part of why we wanted to remember Reg because obviously he's, he's only recently passed away as well, which was another factor to it. And um, we just thought if, if there was ever a person who deserved um, to to be remembered in that way, then it, it was Reg. So, you know, I know one of the things my parents always talk, told me to talk about is never to talk about money. Um, but, you know, obviously it costs money to, to get the, 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 the bus directed into, into Derby. Um, so how much were you, how much were you looking to, how much were you looking to raise in this effort? And then what's the current status of, of the campaign? Yeah. So, so we were raising 8,000 in total. So that was to cover, uh, the bust itself and obviously all the time that's gone into uh, making it look actually look like Reg, um, which is taking, you know, many hours and obviously back and forth of finding pictures of different different angles of Reg's head and body to obviously make this look lifelike. Um, so, th- so that covers uh, the bust and the manufacture um, and then the plinth as well, which is obviously part of it, but is made separately. Um, so that was an eight thousand pounds in total um to to get it made and, and done and um how much have you raised now so we so we closed the crowd fund the last friday last friday morning after four weeks and we we managed to raise ten thousand five hundred and ten pounds which is you know amazing really yeah well no we, me and jason saw it from afar on the social medias and it was really um all inspiring really to see how, how much yeah. you guys were able to raise in such a short amount of time. And I just want to go through briefly some of the names, uh, Jason, I don't, I know you saw this, but I just want to say this to you and Jamie and to the listeners, people like Mason Mount, Frank Lampard, Curtis Davis, Louis Sibley, um, Craig Bryson, I think Derby County in general, uh, Michelover sports, they all were, they all were part of, um, all were really part of this crowdfunding yeah. campaign. So it's really cool. So, you know, we saw, you know, the, the silent auctions go on with, with some of the current players. Louis Sibley donated a pair of boots. I think Curtis Davis did a shirt. I think um, yeah. Bryson did a shirt as well, I think. Um, and I know Frank Lampard gave, gave some money as well into the crowdfunding. So for you as, as, as spearheading this, 
spearheading this endeavor through the Heritage Trust. I mean, were you taken aback by the support that you received from the players? And, and like, how did you feel when you started to see these big names? Well, big names, you know, to us and big names in football like Frank Lampard starting to get behind this. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal, to be honest with you. We we obviously set up the crowd crowdfunding campaign and we we did a lot of work behind the scenes to obviously to get the page set up and speaking with the, the sculptor and, and all the things that needed to be in place um, if we were going to uh, go out and ask for money for to, to fund it. Um, and then as it kick started, you know, it was it was a couple of weeks where it, it was it went uh, really. Um, we raised quite a lot of money in the first week, and then it sort of slowed down, which you know, which is natural in these sort sorts of things. Um, and then you know, we put effort into contacting the club and contacting Frank Lampard through um, through Mason Mount's dad, actually, um, and he got in touch with Frank um, at Chelsea, and all of a sudden one day. I was on the phone to another one of the trustees, you know, click refresh on the page and, you know, there was another two grand in there from Frank. So, and then from there, it sort of exploded. Everybody was, was, uh, was talking about the fact that Frank had put the money in and what a great gesture it was. But then also Mason put some money in and then players at the club came forward with donations um, for us to set, for us to auction off. And then, you know, everyone got involved, all the Derby County fans and Chuck in, uh, their own contributions and so you know it was amazing really the fact that we've raised it in four weeks at a time when you know a lot of people um, have to cut down on spending or out, out of work and you know it's amazing really it just shows uh, what an amazing fan base we've got and and obviously on the other side to that um, how Frank and, and Mason and, and all the players ex-players and current ones how they have been touched by the club when they've been here um, and obviously also Frank, especially from when he met Reg, um, what impact he had on him. Yeah, and, and normally for a divisive fan base as Derby is sometimes with, you've seen Derby County Twitter, sometimes it's not as nice a place as what yeah. we would hope it would be and, and what have you. But, you know, to, to see everybody come together to do something like this must be pretty special. And I mean, um, you know, like you say, Mason Mount was at Derby for a season and, and he donated his time and his money to, to be part of this, as with Frank Lampard. You know, and and so they must have made some sort of impact on them, or else they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, you know, I mean, done it, um, because you know they're they're very special individuals. Um, when when will the bust? Now that you've got the monies and everything like that, when will the bust be completed, and, and when can we go and see it? Uh, so the so the final cast, the clay, the clay model, has been sent over to the foundry last week. So um, I'm not sure what the exact turnaround is with that, but. Um, we, we need to get a meeting together with the guy who's making the plinth, Ian Hodgkinson and, and uh, Andy Edwards, who's making the sculpture, all of us together, which is obviously a bit difficult at the minute uh, to actually talk about the practicalities because uh, there's some stuff that the council have got to do at Field Lane. Um, so, you know, um, we're, we're also hoping that, you know, if we're going to unveil it, then people can actually be there because, you know, it's something that, you know, we want the family and, and fans to, and obviously everyone involved to be part of. We don't just want this to be, a, you know, you, you take the, uh, you unveil it when nobody else is there because of the conditions that we're in. So, you know, as much as, you know, we, we're pushing this forward to get it done as soon as possible, we also, we we want it to be unveiled and for, to be able to have an event that's, it's, uh, that it deserves, basically. And 
So move, I, and, and I think you're dead on there. I think everyone, you know, have a nice little celebration where mm-hmm. whoever wants to come to pay their respects to Reg and remember him for not only being a great W County player, but for being, you know, a war hero, for being a fantastic member of the community and for doing so much for the city of Darby, not necessarily Darby County, but, you know, being a great footballer and a great man, you know, a great person, which is more important than being a great footballer. But, um, yeah. you know, I think we all, you know, we all want to be there to, to be able to, to do that. And I know, um, I know that Jason will be at front of the queue when, when, you know, it's <laughs> safe to do so at the thing to, to be there and whatever, but um, moving on, you know, so remembering Reg, is the crowd for, is the crowdfunding still going on if people wanted to donate or is that has, has that now closed? Yeah. So, that, so that closed. So when we opened it, it was four weeks and then it closes. Um, obviously we could have extended it, but we already, we raised all the money by then. So, um, we're just waiting for the payment to go in and then we can get the ball rolling. Um, so the money, the extra money that we raised minus, obviously we, we've got the fees to cover as well from the crowdfunder. Um, that, that will be split between us to fund what we do and, and uh, our projects going forward into next year and um, field lane are getting 50% of that as well. So, so that will help fund the club that, you know, Reg founded. Um, in 1982 so it's continuing Reg's legacy in in more ways than one which is you know it's phenomenal that we're in a position where we have raised extra money in, in a time like this. So Jamie just a few more questions and then I'll turn it over to Jason. Um, you mentioned the Heritage Trust and, and the future projects going forward so could you give us just a brief glimpse of what those future projects are and just give us um, or our listeners, you know, a little bit more insights into the Rams Heritage Trust and how, and how we could become more involved in it. Yeah. So, so really the, the bread and butter of what we do of what we um, and how we were founded is that we, we were doing exhibitions of, of memorabilia and, and educational stuff as well. And obviously right now it, you can't really do any of that. So for saying that we've, We've been up and running since uh, December, January this year. Um, you know, it's it's been a pretty poor year to be honest in in starting something like this. But what we've been able to achieve with the Reg project um, and other stuff that we've done as well in uh, engaging with people online and uh, setting up our website with all the uh, starting to catalogue memorabilia on there. Um, that's sort of you know what we've been able to do this year. Um, but next year we have the Obviously, this season, so the 2021 season is the 125th anniversary of Derby moving to the baseball ground permanently. So, um, you know, we were, we were going to do an exhibition for that, definitely. So we're still in talks for next year, a potential exhibition at the quad, which we could will tie in with the 1946. It's the 75th anniversary of that next year as well. So this is why another reason why... Um, the bust unveiling probably at the start of next year it's uh, it's going to be more relevant then when we've also got the anniversary of of reg's team winning the cup to be to be thrown in with that so so that's what we've got um as our plans moving forward but obviously a lot of this relies on easing of restrictions and seeing how 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 the world looks in a few months time and you know we can start meeting again which we haven't been able to do all the trustees and, and start doing more educational stuff, which is, you know, what we were set up to, to do. So. Jason. Yeah. I, I've, I think I've 
I've played at Field Lane back in the day a fair few times from uh, from my school days and stuff like that. I remember I remember playing there a few times. So yeah, it's it's a nice place. And like you say, you know, an FA Cup winner, a, a, a FA Cup winner for Derby County. There there was obviously only ever a few of those. So you know, to be to, to be remembered in that way, and then obviously with, before you add on to the, the rest that you know he was a he was Derby born and bred, like you said, and how long he played for the club and everything he's he's done in and around it, just goes to show you what a great man he was. Um, and yeah, you're right, Corey. If uh, if and when um, this thing gets unveiled, I'll I'll certainly certainly try my best to get down there to uh, to either see it unveiled or see it after. That's for sure. Um, so in terms of ju- just to touch a little bit more on the actual heritage trust itself obviously you said that yeah you're quite right this year's obviously been an absolute nightmare i'm guessing um you know just been founded set up probably set a few wheels in motion with certain projects then obviously absolutely um everything just grinded to a halt um in in what has obviously been difficult times and i appreciate you obviously still a new kind of thing um what what's the uh, what's the relationship with the club like what's their involvement with the club like is it do you have much interaction with the club or is it more of a, a standalone thing between yourself and the trustees? Yeah, so the trust is, is, uh, is completely independent. So we retain that autonomy, which, you know, it, there's ways that more support from the club will be really helpful. But to be honest, um, the independence is, is, a, is a positive thing in itself in that, you know, we can come up with ideas ourselves and then go out and that's how we've managed to, to get is to get the reg bus done is that, you know, we have these contacts. So, and we had these ideas, so we, we got on and cracked on with it. The club are um, obviously aware of, of a lot of the stuff we do. We uh, keep in touch with them um, and, you know, they, they support us where possible. So, um, so, you know, we like this relationship we've got. Um, more support is obviously always welcomed. And like you said, there. So then, next year, like you say, twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's it's the it's a big year for the for that FA Cup winning side. Obviously, the only Derby FA Cup side to win. So, um, has there been any ideas as to what there might be um, in, in terms of a just? Is it just an exhibition, or is there going to be anything else commemorative about that period in time? Yeah. So there's another um, there's another project, but it's currently being funding applications are going in um currently so nothing's confirmed as of yet but it's going to be an exhibition alongside um another event um in in the city so you know all fingers crossed and it it should be really good not just for the derby fans but for the city as well jamie before we let you go um what are some of the Give me a top three coolest pieces of Derby County memorabilia that you guys that you guys are in the process of cataloging or that you've seen. Uh, so one of our trustees, he's got um, he's got a pair of one of Steve Bloomer's uh, boot line that he brought out in the early 1900s. So he was like the uh, football superstar of the day, um, and he had his own range of boots. You know, he had his own range of boots. Yeah, so I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen a pair of his boots at the Derby uh, entrance at the at Pride Park. Yeah, those things yeah, are like those things are like Timberlands. I didn't know he had his own boot yeah, line. They're the sort of boots you'd be climbing mountains in nowadays, and so not the sort of boots you'd be wearing to play football in. But yeah, I think they're just amazing because the difference. You look at them and you can just see the difference between football then and football now. And obviously, the balls that they played with back then were, you know, like 
rock hard and you needed boots like that but just just uh, an indication of how the game's changed and and the history of the game as well and you know you look at them and it's, it's they fascinate me um and then you know there's some, some amazing shirts in the collection like the uh some of the dodgy red ones that we've got from the 70s when the Rams are in their heyday, but so were the boys down the road and we, we wore bright red shirts. Um, so looking at them is always a bit of a, you have to look twice when you see them. Um, but everyone comments on them. on them. Some people like them, some people don't, but you know how it is with red. <laughs> it's like those maroon ones from the playoff season, which no one really liked, but then everyone kind of grew to love because we ended up going yeah. to Wembley and it was like maroon, black and white with gold. Yeah, they, they, they were maroon, they were burgundy, they were never red. Uh, I, I quite <laughs> like that shit. <laughs> so, have, you, yeah. have, you got, have you got anything in there, Jamie, in, in terms of, um, I mean, I don't know if they probably did them back in the day, I'm presuming they did. Anything, any of the FA Cup winners medals or anything like that, or a League Cup medal, have, have you got anything like that in any of your exhibitions? Um, we, we've got... Um, we haven't got an FA Cup medal, actually. Um, I know the club have got one. I think they've got Rach Carter's one. Right. Um, or Jack Stamps, I can't remember. We've got... Um, we've got um, a second division medal from the 80s um, and some other medals as well that I can't recall off the top of my head. These are all sort of privately owned by the trustees. That you know, And when we have an exhibition, we sort of all get together and decide what we want to display. Um, recently got hold of a, a replica of the FA Cup this year. So so that's going to be coming out next year, which people will be able to take some photos with and pretend that they were part of the winning team. So, that, so that'll be fun. Yeah, and again, it all, all, all culminates into that 75, 75th uh, year anniversary of it, which, which will be pretty cool. Like I said, so obviously final, final one from me, Jamie. Um, these exhibitions, obviously, as and when, um, is is the big thing as and when we can have them of course is it is it normally the quadding derby that you that you're looking for or are there other places in and around in and around the county yeah so we've done stuff at horizon sixth form which uh, we're in based in the guild or that's where we first started um at the end of last year so they're sort of re um relocating to near the cathedral hopefully in the city center so there's always a venue that we would look to have stuff on more regularly the quad exhibition will be something, obviously, um, a great venue that you can't always get regularly. So, so uh, we'll keep everyone updated. You know, we look, we look, we look to have these events as, as much as we can. Obviously, frustrating thing about this year is that you know we set up the charity, but we've not been able to do as much as we wanted. Um, so that's why it was so imperative to get the Reg project over the line. But um, yeah. If you check out our website, ramsheritagetrust.org and all our social channels, we'll keep everyone posted about the events that are coming up soon. Great. And obviously, as always, we'll, we'll be an advocate of, of everything that you're doing. There's no doubt about that. And we'll, we'll make sure we, we pass out all your details. And um, I'll, I'll look forward to, to coming to an exhibition. Um, it's, I'm trying to think if I've ever been to one. Like I've, obviously, I've done the stadium tour and I've seen bits and pieces at Pride Park. And it, it, it fascinates me seeing that kind of stuff. So, obviously, unfortunately, never saw any of that um, in the flesh. So, it's always, yeah. nice, always nice to look back on the history of, of Derby. So, yeah, as, as and when we can get out and about, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to come and see one, fingers crossed. Anything more from you, Corey? No, Jason, uh, Jamie, thank you very much for what you do on behalf of, you know, obviously the Ramsbury podcast and Derby supporters. It's 
Heritage Trust is really interesting. I know I follow it and I think some of the memorabilia and the things that you guys do are really special. And I'm really pleased that um, the history of the club is being preserved through amazing fans like yourself. And, you know, the Remembering Reg campaign was just really great. And thank you guys for spearheading that and everything. Um, and we look forward to all the events that you guys do in the future. So really appreciate you taking the time to, to come and chat with us. Yeah, brilliant, guys. Appreciate your support. We'll, we'll keep you posted, definitely. And hopefully we can get together again. Lovely. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks very much. Paul, how are we? Um, very good. Very good. Been joining you. us to discuss the preview of... Uh, the Bristol City game, the first game of Derby's new, well, not new management era, but um, life after Philip Koku. Um, before we get stuck into that game, Paul, just give us a bit of an explanation as to who you are, where you're calling from, um, and, and what it is that you uh, you get up to from, in terms of Bristol City. Yeah, no worries, thank you. So, yeah, I'm uh, Paul. My Twitter handle is VXRRobin. Um, it's called VXRRobin because I've actually been living in near Cardiff for nearly 20 years now, so traveling across from Cardiff to Bristol on you know, match days as often as possible and uh, living over here. So it's just uh, seemed like a reasonable name. I've blogged for about 10 years or so, far, far less frequently in the last few years. Just got a, I think the Twitter expansion into more characters and streams has made it far more hassle to bother writing a blog. And I just plonk stuff down on Twitter then now when I want to. Um, and also regular contributor on the one stream in Bristol, OSIB podcast on uh, a City Fans podcast. Lovely. Well, any Derby fans, um, you know, who, who've got an interest in Bristol as well, make sure, make sure you check that out. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Paul. It's, it's great to have you. Um, and to be honest with you, not, normally I would say that there's not a great deal to talk about too much between Bristol City and Derby County. But actually, there's certainly from a Derby perspective, there's there's one name and one name only, and I think you know who it's going to be. Jamie Patterson. Um, yeah, well, of course, yes, of course. The curveball there, the curveball. Um, but no, of course, we will talk about Chris Martin. It's almost the elephant in the room. He is the most beautiful man in really. football as well. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, as, as Derby fans, we, we've we've grown to like him over the, I think it was about seven seasons, seven years that we had him. Mm. Um, so we will go on to that. And of course, the, like you said, the, like you pointed out there, Corey, the little loan spell um, from, from Jamie Patterson that, kind of propelled him into the Bristol City side at it, St. Paul as well. But, yeah. yeah. Um, there are two names that we're going to touch on uh, in a little bit. But first things first, Bristol City, a team probably in some respects similar to Derby in the fact that over the last three or four years, certainly under Lee Johnson, you know, they, they, were, they were always there or thereabouts mm. um, and, and just just fell away, you know, toward, towards that end. Yeah. Um, is there anything this season that, in this crazy world <laughs> of COVID football? Um, obviously, not a bad start at all. Not a bad start at all from Bristol. It has to be has to mm-hmm. be said. Um, is there anything this season that makes you think that this could be the year to to really push into that top six this time? Um, it's, it's very difficult to say. It's been so stop start. I think. Yeah, I think there was always a feeling that yeah we obviously we had an issue under Lee Johnson. He's been called streaky on more than one occasion, including by yeah, but that's Colin Murray even on Channel Five, so he's on Quest or whatever he's on now. But there was a feeling, you know, does a change of manager change that? Does it affect that? Um, Lee Johnson was very good on going on long unbeaten runs, fourteen, sixteen match unbeaten runs with plenty of wins, but then losing eight in a row. Which you know, it, you, if you look at a twenty-two match sequence and you've won twelve out of those games and drawn six. And you're you're calling for your manager's head. It seems a bit strange, but in fact, when you lose eight in a row, it becomes a it becomes a thing, and the fans you know 
got almost used to that and, and stopped liking it, obviously, because it was affecting our, our performance. But Dean Holden started, you say, four wins in a row off the bat at the start of the season. Think, hey, yeah, we're going somewhere here. And then we lose a couple and then we've won a couple. So you're starting to wonder again, that, has that inconsistency really gone? Uh, I think in terms of the season, I think we looked at it at the start and thought, you know, Leeds have gone up, West Brom have gone up, two, you know, strong sides, West Brom being a bit of a yo-yo team. You think, you know, we've got a chance this Fulham as well, you know, the likes of you know, Mitrovic, obviously, and Kearney. You think there's a chance this year. But I think you, know, you look to the league now and I think the, the three relegated teams from last season are looking very strong. I think they haven't lost as many players as they might have done in a, in a non-COVID world. I think they've still got a lot of their big names there and we were taken apart by Buendia and Puki you know, a couple of weeks ago on Sky. And, you know, you think in another season, Buendia especially would have probably left Norwich this summer. Um, you know, Bournemouth has still got a few. So I think those three are looking good. But I do think the rest of it is wide, wide open. You know, I think there's at least two playoff spots open for any one of about 14 teams probably, um, you know, in this league. And, you know, you're, you and... Your, your near neighbours are right down the bottom of the league at the moment. You, you know, if you can put a run together, you've probably got the quality of squad to, to get into that, that battle and that race as well. But it, it won't be easy. Um, has much changed? Yes, it has. Um, I think we've probably got a stronger squad. You mentioned a name just now. It's part of a reason for that. Um, possibly play more a different style, which might make us more consistent. But, you know, it remains to be seen, certainly, I think. I mean... I think you're quite right. Like you say, I don't think the league is necessarily the strongest this year. Um, and it was one thing we said at the beginning, that the relegated sides, I didn't actually really fancy any of the three. But like you say, no. they have keep it, they have kept. And we've played all three now. We've played Norwich away, which we managed to actually beat somehow. Um, it's our only win so far. Um, we played Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago away. Mm. Um, in all fairness... They didn't fire the first half, which allowed us to, to get a goal in front. But that second half was, you know, it was incredible. It was that's back to the wall. That's exactly the same as us. First half, they let us get on the front foot and we were, we were pressing forward and pushing and creating chances. Didn't get that goal. Mm. Second half, they just came out and were, they just stepped up a level. They literally stepped up a level and were pushing us back. And we barely got a kick in the second half. So interesting, yeah. the same, same thing. Yeah, we were exactly the same. And then we played Watford at home, which, I mean... If if we'd have any if we'd have had anything about us so far this season, we'd have probably brushed we'd have probably brushed Watford aside, but mm. we were just we were just that poor. Um, and it it was nil. It got it was a poor game actually. It got nil nil written all over it. Um, and then um, Watford scored an absolute worldie from about thirty yards out. So you know what can you do about that? But yeah, yeah I think you're right. I th- and we've obviously with these preview pods that we do, we've spoken to all all those fan bases, and they've mm. said you know we're surprised about the amount of players we've been able to keep hold of. Um, I mean, yeah. even Bournemouth, you know, the, Bournemouth, probably the biggest one, lost 80, £85 million pounds worth of talent or something like mm. that. But have still actually got, you know, a, a relatively a relatively solid side. So, yeah, you, you put those three in the mix. Then, like you said, I think any any from anybody from who made those playoffs last season, I don't necessarily think any of them are that strong. I, we, I actually said at the beginning, Cardiff, I thought Cardiff had actually had a pretty decent... My- yeah. No, to be honest, I thought they'd done all right, but obviously we're down at the bottom at the minute. Who weren't quite in it last year? Forest, their yeah, their their one season of quality seems to have seems to have dropped away, and you know, and then you look at the chasing pack, which obviously had Bristol City in at the time. So yeah, I think I think it could be. 
Who uh, knows? Who knows? Yeah, I think <laughs> Swan, Swansea were actually my picks. I see Swansea as maybe just slightly above the rest of the league, but they are lacking a goal. They had Brewster last year, made yeah. a real difference for them second half, and then Doc, not quite. They've got AU up front. He's quality. He's not going to score that many goals in the same no. way. They're lacking a goal scorer. But if they, I think if they can find a goal scorer in January on loan, maybe they could be the ones, I think, who are just a little bit, little bit above the rest. Um, Brentford are obviously the other ones who are just moulding their front line a little bit, remoulding them out, aren't they, after losing two key players? Yeah, and, and, you know, normally, even though that's kind of the mantra of Brentford, they tend to have, obviously, that 12 months and then, unfortunately, don't go up and they, they do seem to lose it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know Ivan Tony's been scoring for fun down there, but other than that, I think they've actually had a bit of a, I don't know about a shaky start, but an indifferent start, like mm. you say, though, you know, it, it you're kind of waiting for Brentford to kick into gear and, and you're expecting them to you are expecting them to fly up that table. So, obviously, will be remains to be seen there. Um, but obviously, as you last three, four, probably five, maybe even thinking about it, um, you know, Bristol City have, have been in there, obviously. I, the, the one I can go back to is probably, um, is it two years ago now, Corey? I forget, three years ago, even probably when we were under Lampard, that late game uh, at Ashton Gate. Yeah. Whoever, whoever won that one was was pretty much going to get that final playoff spot. And we never expected to go to Ashton Gate and get that result. Luckily for Derby, of course, we did. Um, and obviously the rest of that is history. But it, you keep knocking on the door. Um, and it, it kind of puts us into a position where now we can talk about Chris Martin. Um Obviously, he's not, he's, he's not had a bad start for yourselves. A few goals. Uh, set up a couple more, I know. Exactly what we thought he would be doing for Derby this season. And then, obviously, they, they just couldn't negotiate on it. I think it was more of a length of contract. Mm-hmm. I know it's a two-year deal at, at Bristol with, a, with an option of a third, which yeah. I, I just don't think Derby were ever, ever in a position to re-offer, to be perfectly honest with you, with, with what's going on at mm-hmm. the club. Um, but you... You've, you've certainly, as you may well have seen already in the opening 11 games, you've got a striker that's actually found a little bit of form. He, he, was, he was pretty good for Derby last year after mm. having 18 months to two years, probably maybe even three years, um, kind of out the side for want of a... Under, underwhelming, underwhelming loan spells. Yeah, well, they were. But of course, we, for some strange reason, every time he went out on loan and didn't perform the manager in charge gave him an extra deal. Um, yeah, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but under, under, under Nigel Pearson, he loaned out Martin, and um, Pearson got sacked for whatever reason, was some sort of bust-up with the owner. And so McLaren, Steve McLaren came back for the second version, and while Martin was out on loan at Fulham, he goes, I need Chris Martin back because he was the linchpin of that team that nearly got promoted um, before. And yeah. Fulham's like, uh, no, we're not going to loan you back. We're, like you loaned him to us, we're not going to break his thing. And he's like, fine, I'll beat you, and I'll give you, I'll give him a five-year deal. And therefore, we're like, <laughs> okay, there's there's still no break clause in this contract. He's like, yeah, but he's got a new five-year deal on big wages, and it like it didn't really work out, really, did it, Jason? Until <laughs> what that leads to last season either, where. Martin came yeah. off the bench and then all of a sudden he finishes the season with 12 goals and everyone, it's like the return of the King. Mm-hmm. And my, for me and Jason were two very highly regarded members of the Chris Martin, Chris Martin fan club, um, probably president and CEO, Jason and myself. But, um, <laughs> I want to get your feelings fall when, when 
Bristol City, you hear that they're going to sign Chris Martin from, you know, from someone who obviously doesn't had not necessarily seen him play week in and week out at Derby. What yeah. were your thoughts on him? Um, I think initially there was a little bit of a surprise. Um, our mantra in the last few years has been to sign players with resale value. So we signed a lot of 22, 23-year-olds, sold them on, in some cases, a year or two down the line for the biggest money. You know, you look at the likes of Adam Webster, who's gone to Brighton as in that, and you know, like, just put young players coming through as well who have gone to Fulham and Bournemouth. So there's a bit of surprise in that. Um, we signed Naki Wells in January as well, which is a big money signing for us in terms of wages, certainly. So it was a surprise. When you looked at it, I think you thought, okay, we, we were lacking a striker. We only really had Naki Wells and uh, Famara Deja at front. So you thought you do need another option there. Um, he's possibly similar to Deju, we felt maybe at the time. I think what we've seen in the first sort of 10, 11 games is he's quite a different player, actually, to Deju, who's seen as a bit of a big target man. He's not really that sort of player. He's, he's a different sort of player. Um, so, yeah, I think the initial little bit of surprise, I think once you actually looked at how he plays the game and you thought about how we're going to play, it made quite a lot of sense. Um, he's very much being used as a... You know, one or two strikers, we play a, a three in midfield with one attacking, so you've got sort of number 10 buzzing in around, and two wing-backs. And the way he has worked with them and brings them into play, you've seen exactly why you were signed. Yeah, and, you know, in a way that Dijou hasn't necessarily been able to do consistently enough over his, his three years of a four, three or four years of a club. Is he, is he becoming a firm fan favourite? Very much so. I think if you asked who the player of the season so far has been, it would probably be a toss-up between three, and he's certainly one of them. You know, he's come in, and he scored his first league goal, actually, against Cardiff in the last game. So, you know, it's a bit odd when a striker doesn't score until November, and yet is already seen as a bit of a fan's favourite, because normally fans very quickly get on the back if they're not seeing any actual numbers and stats and outputs. But yeah, That never happens with Derby fans, does it, Jason? Derby <laughs> fans always give players the full chance to perform before... <laughs> Derby fans make judgment. It, and it's interesting, though, because you know, he has had the assist, but Fumara Deji's been a little bit of a, a, you know, a, an up-and-down character in terms of fans. And you, you know if he'd started the season with seven or eight games and hadn't scored a goal, the fans would have been right on his back and giving him a load of grief, saying he's not good enough. And yet, you know, a new guy comes in, sets up three or four goals, and everyone loves him. So it's a very different scenario. But no, he's, he's done, done really well. He's linked really well with, again, another name to mention, Jamie Patterson, coming playing off him. He's linked... Reasonably well, Naki Wells, although he's actually has looked better. Um, we've got a young striker called Antoine Semenya, who was actually the guy he sent off in that game you talked about at the end of the season a couple of years ago. Um, he's coming into the team a little bit more. And is him and, him and, sorry, not Wells, him and Martin really seem to be linking up nicely. They played a League Cup tie together and look like they've been playing together for years. Um, and I think it'd be great for Semenya's development to be playing alongside someone like Martin who can tell him where to run, tell him when to run, when to play the ball, you know, all those sort of things you learn as a player. But, you know, I think it will be a big, a big, fear, big thing for Semenya. I mean, that's kind of the thing is everyone talks about, you know, Chris Martin can't run. He's not one of these – he's not going to run in the channel. He's not going to get in behind people and things like that. But by the same token, Darby, have another, you know, I guess aging midfield general Jason now slash manager, I guess. he's. Yeah. I guess he's kind of the boss Wayne Rooney, and he doesn't really I'm, have the I've leg. Heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just some little old guy from Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> I think he played for, in America sometime in DC or whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know he's the manager now, so you know. But he doesn't have the legs. But when you look at the the footballing brain, and that's kind of what Chris Martin kind of brings to the table is he's not your prototypical mm. championship number nine. Because when you think about when I think about I was thinking about this championship goal scores and Naki Wells is one that's just like he just scores goals at this level. I mean, yeah. 
there's just players that just play well in the championship. They, they don't necessarily sometimes make the step up. They just really yeah. good at the championship level. And Naki Wells is one of them players that I know Darby were linked to a while ago. He went to QPR, I think, but um, I'd love to have him at Darby. And, and mm. Chris Martin's a completely different style of player to that. And yeah, ironically, Wells is actually the one getting some stick from some fans for, for not seeming to not quite be happy or quite putting it in. You see, he scored five or six goals. Uh, yeah, and doing what you want a striker to do typically, and he says, "Yeah, it's, it's a bit perverse in that sense at the moment." But uh, no, but they're, they're two two very good standard championship strikers, and I think that's we haven't really had that in terms of a two in all the time we've been in this league. So when we have been challenged, we had we had Codger, who was good. Um, we had Bobby Reed turned alongside him for one. Se- we've had sort of people for one season, Tammy Abraham on loan, but without maybe that pair of established championship strikers. And going back to your very much earlier question that might just be the difference potentially this year in, in terms of keeping things going and grabbing those goals and keep holding the ball up when we really need it in tougher times later in the season. So another player I want to mention um, is, well, I think it was Jason's firm fan favorite uh, from last season was uh, Jamie Patterson. I know obviously he was much maligned because he made some disparaging comments that he like literally hated Darby, <laughs> but then they signed him, which was just bizarre because it was a very bizarre time to be a Darby fan because obviously you, we signed Wayne Rooney and then it's like, and Jamie Patterson. And the sad thing is, is that Jamie Patterson is actually a very solid championship winger and midfielder. And we all kind of were like, to be honest with you, when he played for Derby, he scored, I think he scored a winner against Birmingham. That was one of the games I was at. Yeah, he, he actually he set, he set Martin's goal up against Leeds that got yeah. Martin going. And to be fair, them two did link up quite well. So mm. with what you were saying there, Paul, I'm not surprised that because they did play a good seven or eight games together last season and, and their link up play was between them was pretty good. And that's what Martin thrives with, with somebody who's a willing runner like Jamie Patterson, to be yeah. fair. And it's yeah. not like it's not like Jamie Patterson was complete garbage when he was at Derby. He actually played pretty well in fits and starts. He just didn't necessarily get picked regularly, which was kind mm. of bizarre because when he did, he did pretty well. So from your understanding, Paul, from covering Bristol City and, and knowing a little bit more about Jamie Patterson longer term than that, just six months that, that Derby fans knew him, what went wrong for him from the outside? Um, I mean, Jamie Patterson is one of those fairly archetypal, skillful players who's very hot and cold. He can do some brilliant things. He is by some distance, our most creative force, you know, in terms of general play, not necessarily in stats and assists, but he's created more chances than anyone else in the championship. You know, he takes us set pieces, so you might expect that, but he's still getting more than everyone else. He has some brilliant moments. He can score some great goals. He can sh- cut in on either foot. He can play left wing, right wing, number 10. You, you'd fit, you know, in a lot of ways, he's a, he's a perfect squad member to have. And we were very surprised when he went out on loan. Um, we'd signed Casey Palmer in the summer, which was a signing that, Again, split the fans a little bit based on his loan spell. Um, we'd also signed a guy called Sammy Smodich from Colchester, who, you know, so we had kind of suddenly had three number 10s in a formation where we were obviously only playing one. So it, it, in retrospect, when he went out on loan, it probably wasn't a surprise. He's probably on a bigger wage than those, you know, the, the Smodich would have been, for instance. We want to get rid of some of the wage budget. But we very quickly, Case Palmer wasn't getting him. Team under Lee Johnson, you quickly realised, well, hang on, where's our, where's our creative player gone? Where's our, and he was on loan at Derby. So when he was recalled in January, not a surprise at all to me. I was pleased. I'm a, I'm a Jamie Patterson fan. I totally get why some people don't like him. He can have off games where he just disappears out of the game, where he tries his little flicks in the middle of a pitch and gives the ball, gives possession away too easily. And, and you know, does, he's, he's almost one of these players who's a, little, he's a step ahead of everyone else. And sometimes he that that transcends into a, a misplaced pass or a you know a poor loss of possession, and that does happen. But he says 
Started the season on fire in those first three or four games. Had a little bit of a quiet spell. Um, came back in the last couple. Generally, I would say when he plays well, we get very, we win or get very close to winning. Um, he's that important to us. It's just when he's not playing well, he you don't know to see there. Unfortunately, he's that sort of player. But he's a great lad, fun lad. He's he's always one you look out for on the sort of little short videos a club does with you know stuff around the training ground, around the dressing room. He's seems to be the joker in the pack, and I think he's a good person to have in a dress room in that sense as well. Um, he seems to bring people together and uh, seems, yeah, say, some fans seem as a real fan's favourite. Others, he's a bit of that sort of peripheral flair player who doesn't necessarily do, do it all the time. I think normally, normally one of the next questions we would ask um, is where does, the, where does the threat come from Bristol City? But uh, to be honest with you, I'd, I presume I kind of know where the threat's coming from Bristol City because uh, we've had two of them. Um, yeah. Casey Palmer, if we've also we've had him on loan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, is is there anyone else that you know Derby should be looking out for? Really? Well, I mean, I don't know if we might come on to this. We, we honestly don't know what team's going to be actually because we've actually oh. got um, well. At the club, we've got more than 10 COVID cases, so we're not quite sure who's affected, what's affected. Um, no, I think we've got a fairly, we've got a very hard-working team. I think we're a little bit more, more you know, some of the parts is uh, all our mantras. We've got some good runners in midfield, Callum O'Dowda, Irish international. Um, Tariq Bakinson has come for as a young player this year to play that sort of anchor role in midfield and look strong, but he's not necessarily going to threaten in, in that way. Um I guess the one I sort of, yeah did mention was Antoine Semenya. He's you know come on a couple of times now, looked really good. He's in nineteen. He, he was on Newport a couple of seasons ago, and Chelsea started sniffing around him. So we rapidly brought him back from Newport and start, started trying to use him on the bench. Um, probably a bit young and a bit raw at that time, but he's uh, he's powerful. He's pacey. He runs at defenders, cuts inside defenders, uh, which you know no defender really likes. Uh, and he's you know starting to show that he can have an impact as well. But no, I think our our sort of main threat comes through those two and we play typically three at the back. I mean, we didn't last time of injuries, but we play, play three at the back. So the wing backs are always a bit of a threat from a crossing point of view, as opposed to a, I don't think we've got, um, I think we've got someone who going to get score eight, 10 goals a season, cutting in the back post or anything, but certainly from a getting down the line, having an impact, banging the ball in for, you know, whoever's in the middle, Dijon or Martin, then that's definitely a threat. I think that's it. Tyson, we, we were going to talk about it, Paul. The, the obviously the news broke that the training ground was closed because of all all this. Um, yeah. yeah, so you don't really know who's um, who's going to be there on Saturday. And I think, to be perfectly honest with you, whilst we've got a good idea what's going to happen um, on Saturday for Derby, obviously we're we're under a we're in change of hands, so we don't hmm. necessarily know what type of. Um, we certainly don't know what time of, type of game plan we're going to have. We certainly don't know what kind of team's going to turn up. Kind of have a good idea of what players are going to be available um, mm. because we've only got quite a small squad. So kind of expect the, the same same you know players that have, have been knocking around um, to be there. But in terms of a formation, a philosophy, I'd be gobsmacked if they carry on with what we were doing under Philip Koku, to be perfectly honest with you. We had... I think really the most success we had was kind of in a, a three five two three come three four three dependent and you know on, on how we were playing. I could we again we look to use our wing backs. Mm. They've they've got some pace. Uh, certainly, young Lee 
uh, Lee Buchanan, who who played for the under under twenty ones last night and put a put a pretty decent ball in for a goal. So you know that that's nice for him personally. Uh, we brought in Nathan Byrne from Wigan in the summer, sort of summer. I keep saying in the summer, it wasn't in the summer, but <laughs> we brought him in in the transfer window, and he's been he's been quite an outlet as well. So I, I think certainly without having a great number nine, we've got Martin Waggon, but without having a great number nine, um, we do prefer wing play. I think that's probably the best way to describe it, but I, I can see something's got to change because it wasn't, you know, it's all right getting rid of the manager, but the, the same players remain. So you've got, you know, the system and, and that kind of thing in terms of what Derby are going to, are going to do on Saturday, you would expect is going to have to change. Mm. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be one or two surprises. Mm. I don't know if we'll get that new feel-good factor. Um, but unfortunately, obviously, for, for a Bristol City point of view, um, it could well be it's a great time for Derby to come up against them. Um, you know, new manager, you could well have, let's face it, there could well be 10 first-teamers out. We, we, like you say, you just don't know at the minute. Um as, do, you, do you know if anything is going to be reported? Because um, I think is it tomorrow? Derby's press conference is called. Yeah, I think we had. Um, I think we've got. We had a round of testing today to determine whether training could go ahead tomorrow. So obviously going to be crucial there. And I think you're right. I think it is actually just. I said actually, funny enough, earlier on Twitter to someone, I've got. You know, we should be strong, strong favourites for this. You know, we're we're fifth or sixth in the league, playing a team near the bottom. We're in form with a couple of wins. You're not. But it just feels like the worst possible time. We've got all these issues. We've had, I don't know how, how many of you guys you've had. We've had you know, four or five away on internationals. We've played two or three games. We've got this issue on COVID. We've already had some long-term injuries. We signed Alfie Morse on loan from Fulham, who's out for a long time. Um, Andy Wyman, again, another former lady. Out for the season. Former us, yeah, cool. Hasn't had an injury in about eight years playing football. And he's suddenly out for the season. Yeah. Um, we've got... Yeah, four or five key injuries to the extent it actually changed our formation last time. But it just feels like a really, yeah, it feels like you're almost suddenly favourites with a hype and a buzz of a new team and everything else. Mm. But um, I guess one thing in our favour is you genuinely won't know how we'll play. Because I say, Holden has stuck the new manager to this fairly rigid 3-5-2 from the start of the season. Um, he wants to play 3-5-2. He thinks it suits our players. We've pretty much run out of players to play that formation in the last game. So we had to switch to a sort of 4-3-3. And... Um, it's, you know, I don't know what we'll do on Saturday. I genuinely don't know whether we're going to bring, you know, the three centre-halves back in or, or try and go, go stick with a four. So, uh, I don't know. So, the Derby teams and scouts <laughs> certainly won't know what we're going to play and how we're going to do it. No, it, 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 I suppose in some respects it makes up for a, an interesting game and probably one, Corey, that from a Derby perspective we can finally look at and think, you know... We'll, we haven't been good enough so far this season. What I'm about to say is not an excuse. But one thing that we've said is Derby, Derby are, are wanting a little bit of luck. And this, obviously, with the COVID thing, as, as horrible, obviously, as that is, and I hope everybody's, you know, uh, absolutely fine. But that could just be the little swing of luck in Derby's favour so far this season um, that could help with everything else moulded in that could that could really you know really help Derby and which is obviously something from a Derby perspective um, that you know we we so desperately need at this moment in time whilst we're in transition of managers and um, and, and takeovers. Yeah, um, I would I would agree. I think obviously you want hopefully you get the new manager bounds. You get a bit of luck with Bristol City having COVID, which obviously, like you say, Jason is extremely unfortunate. And obviously, we hope that all the players are okay. 
But from a Derby perspective, going into the game is purely a football standpoint. Like, there's a bit of luck that probably Derby need. Managerial crossroads, like we've talked about. And obviously, if the takeover comes, you get a W on you get a W on Saturday, and it it's all of a sudden a much rosier picture than what it was 48 hours beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. The, the confidence you would expect will go. You would think would go through the roof. To be honest with you, but uh, Paul, any, any more questions from you, Corey? Before I do. I've got. I've just got one for prediction. Paul. Real quick, before we go on to the score, uh, world-famous score prediction. Yes. Well, you know, Derby County sit bottom of the league now. It's November 18th. Um, how do you – are you surprised to see Derby in their position? And, and from the outside looking in, what were your thoughts going into the season when, when Derby comes up on the schedule? Um, yes, I'm surprised. Although I think, you know, when I've looked at Derby from the outside, you know, you never quite look at another club in the same detail as your own, obviously. But you look at them from the outside and you always seem – Whenever we've played you, you seem to have a sort of ever, ever more aging squad. So, yeah, you, you've signed a lot of experienced ex-Premier League players. That seems to be a perception from the outside in. Um, you know, you've had the centre-halves, you've had Huddlestone, you've had people like that before. Um, so, I guess, you know, at some point that's going to catch up if you're not bringing through younger players. Now, I might be totally wrong. You might not have four or five who aren't, you know, who aren't like that. But that seems to be a perception. Um, it seemed to me like you're the club who were almost constantly teetering on the edge financially, which is going to have an implication at some point on squad depth and on contracts and who you can afford and et cetera. And we won't go into the Rooney wage or anything like that on this. I'm sure you've done that to death in uh, other areas. But, um, you know, I think the times we've played, it's already been fairly even. Um, Rooney, I thought in the home, in your, yeah, our home game last season, I think we beat you, but I thought Rooney, is it Max, is it Max Bird alongside him? I thought he was excellent. It really was excellent. at the tail end of last season, but Max has recently been out of the team because oh, okay. Cockney yeah, took him out of the fire line. So we don't know. Player. We don't know who's going to be in midfield with him. Normally, it's Graham Shinney or Jason Knight, um, yeah. and Rooney's been utilized in, in just more outside of the holding midfielder role this season. Right, okay. He's been he's been pushed into the number nine role, not because mm. they necessarily want to, but just out of necessity. Right. Okay. But no, I think yeah, you've got to look at your squad still and think you're gonna you're not going to finish bottom. You're not going to finish bottom three. I think yeah, you're 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 going to get above. I know we have teams here, but the likes of Barnsley, the likes of Rob, yeah, Rob, etc. You know, there's teams down there who you're going to get above. Whether you've got enough, you know, with a lack of funds to really drive the top six, is got to start to be questioned, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think you know, seeing seeing yourselves down there, it is it is a bit of a surprise. Um, one little anecdote for you, I think you will like. I did say to my uh, eight-year-old son in the week about oh, a Championship club sacked their manager last week, who, you know, and he said, "Who is it?" I said, "Well, it's a team that you'd expect to do well, but made a really rubbish start." And he went, Forest. I thought, I, thought you, I thought you two would like that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Derby have just made a worse start. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be there gloating along. But at the minute, we, uh, we, we can't do that. We're eating, we're eating some humble pie at this moment in time, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Derby, yeah, I mean, we did have a bit of an aging squad. And I think it's one of the reasons why sort of the last 12 months hasn't massively worked out for Philip Cocky. He had his hand shackled. He had to do, mm. he was told he had to do certain things. And, and don't get me wrong, he tried his hardest and he really did. Um, he, he brought through six, I think it is, academy players mm. who all at some points of the season had a, had a fair run of games. Um, but that was the, you talk about squad depth. That was the bulk of our squad depth. It yeah. was youth. And we said at the beginning of the season, for Derby to do anything this year, whilst we added, I think it was four in the four or five in the window, 
we actually probably needed more like seven or eight and there was no way we were going to get seven or eight in. So we mm. kind of had to hope that the youngsters were going to kick in this season again as they did yeah. last year. And unfortunately, they just they just haven't. You could look yeah. at a team sheet from one of the final last seven games of last season and I don't think a single one of them's in the side at this moment in time. Right. Some, some to do with injury, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But a lot of them is, is down to just... But young, young players are always going to be inconsistent, aren't they? They're going to have mm. off spells, you know, more so. And we, we, we've had a little bit of that. We're trying to do that as well. Again, we haven't signed... And, well, we signed one player for money, uh, Joe williams Wigan. The rest were a few free transfers and a bit, you know, the older players. But we had six players out on loan in League One last season or the Championship or Scottish mm. Prem. And they've all come back into the squad, basically, to be involved. So that's our man. But... We've got two centre backs playing, who are both young players, and they make yeah they make mistakes from time to time. You're going to have that, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely, and obviously that's one thing that certainly from a Derby perspective, a new takeover and that kind of thing. We're hoping money comes in just to try and bolster because we we, we struggle to check effect games later on in in the game because we just don't have the quality to bring on mm. and keep expecting you know four three or four seventeen eighteen year olds to come on and do it week in week out in the championships. Just it. You're just asking for trouble, really. And I think we kind of, mm. finishing 10th last season, we actually overachieved. And I'll, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say it. I think we did. We were, we were a mid to low end table team last season. For the majority of it, we just, we caught a break every now and again. This season, mm. kind of caught up with us, I think is, is, the, is the best way to describe it. And no surprises from me, 11 games in, that you know, the manager's out the door, to be perfectly honest with you. But that, that, that's, the, that's the crux of the game on Saturday. Certainly looking forward to it. But before we let you go, Paul, we always do a score prediction. Um, and I haven't got a clue where I'm going to plump put this one on. Because um, I just, I, we just don't know, do we? Probably until Friday. We probably don't really know what kind of team's going to be available. Um, I am expecting a bit of something from Derby. I think they've got to stand up and be counted now. Um, they've, Performances haven't been strong enough. Um, they need a reaction. Are they going to get one? All depends on COVID. So I'm actually going to sit on the fence and go 1-1. One, one. Okay. I think for a team that's six on the table playing a team that's at the bottom at home, you've got to go for a win. Um, so I'll, I'll go for a 1-0 win. But I am worried. I think there's a lot seems to be against us for this weekend. More than there should be for this type of game. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, your, your final thought... I will go for a win as well, but it will be for the Rams. The Rams will win 2-1. Sorry, Paul. I think with COVID and the way the situation's kind of panning out, we don't know what Derby's going to bring, but you'd hope there'd be some sort of bounce, you would just hope. So, 2-1 to Derby. He's always the, he's always the optimist, Corey. I'm the, I'm the realist. <laughs> I think I'm the realist. Um, but... Who knows? We'll see. We'll wait and see. Time is upon us, Paul. Absolutely fantastic getting in, get, uh, speaking to you, mate. Thanks very much. No um, any Derby fans, as I say, who might have a Bristol City connection as well, make sure you check out Paul and, and, and the things that he gets up to. Um, and you know, all the best, all the best for the rest of the season. Looking forward to Saturday. Football's nice to be back after the international break. Um, and yeah. all, best luck with everything, mate. Thanks very much. No, thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Not a problem. Corey, as always, thank you very much. Jason. Um, and we'll see you next time, Rams fans. Thank you very much, and up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Please remember to get in touch on the socials. On Twitter, we are at Rams Review one Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, thank you very much, and up the Rams.